I'm excited today. We're diving into the Unstuck and Unstoppable series. Uh, this is a series that's based on my new book that's going to be released out in the fall. Uh, if you're brand new here, I want you to know there's a free copy for you in the foyer. We would love to put that in your hands today as a gift from us to you. Now, I wrote the book because uh, as I was going through what we went through over the last couple of years, I felt stuck personally. I don't know if you did, but I did. And uh, I have always felt like as a pastor, I want to come before you and I want to share, you know, and be very transparent and authentic and real. Um, you know, if I'm going through it now, I've got friends to help me through it. But once I get through it, I'm going to let you know about stuff because I believe the things I go through can help you. And so as we're going through the pandemic, I felt very, very stuck. Uh, I, I had an area in my life where I just couldn't see straight and I was complaining, praying to God <laughs> and uh, really just having a pity party. Anybody ever had a pity party? And uh, it was in July and the passage of uh, Acts 27 and 28 was what I happened to read in my one year Bible on that day. And it's the story of Paul getting shipwrecked in the island of Malta. And in that shipwreck experience, we see Paul go from one bad thing to the next bad thing to the next bad thing. And yet he never gets stuck. And I felt the Holy Spirit really speak some things to me in that story, in the life of Paul, and how you can have bad things happen to you, but those bad things don't have to define you. You can get stuck, but it doesn't mean you're stranded. That there's a way out of whatever it is that you're walking in. And some of you got stuck over the last couple of years. Maybe you got stuck in your health. Anybody felt a little fluffy? We cloud, right? We call it the COVID bod. Like we proud COVID bod. It's all because we didn't want to wear masks while we were working out. You lie. You just didn't want to work out. <laughs> so we got the COVID bod. You know, maybe we got stuck in your marriage. People have divorced and said, man, you know, I just, COVID destroyed my marriage. No, COVID didn't destroy your marriage. It just revealed the condition of your marriage. Your families or maybe it was your finances or your career. Wherever it is, I want you to know there's hope that we serve a God that loves us, he cares about us, he lives life with us, and though we're stuck, we're never without hope, we're never stranded. And you know, my greatest desire through this series, through the book, through this church, is just to help people get unstuck and live life to the fullest that God would have them live. And today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about one of the four building blocks of life, uh, in the book, I talk about the four essential building blocks of life, identity, purpose, vision, paradigm. Today, we're going to focus on identity, who you are in Christ. And if there was ever a time in history, a time in society that people are lost, people don't know who they are, that time is now. We have experienced a crisis of identity that people just don't understand who they're, they're living without hope. They're living without purpose. They've lost themselves and they're drifting. Many of you probably feel the same way. When you don't know who you are, you tend to drift through life. You run from this thing to that thing, whatever validates you, whatever gives you a sense of importance, whatever gives you a sense of temporary fulfillment, and then you become and morph into whatever everybody else wants you to be. And yet fail to discover who God's called you to be. Your identity, your identity, it's more than just a name. It's not just the name that your parents gave you. It's more than what you do. 
Your identity is more than the relationships that you have. It's more than the experiences that you've had. Some of you have had great success and some of you have had great failure. Some have had great victories and some have had great defeats. Those are not what cause you to be who you are. That's not your identity. Your identity, the real you, is who you are in Christ Jesus. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. God's handiwork. Created. Created what? In Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So think about whose handiwork you are. You're not your parents. I know they birthed you and, 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 and God used them to bring you to this world, but, but you're actually God's handiwork. Yeah. Aren't you glad? Look, God don't make mistakes. I know your parents might have said you're a mistake. No, no, baby, you're not a mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God handcrafted you. He designed you. He created your inmost being. Before you were born, God planned in advance your destiny, and you have a purpose, and I'm going to talk more about that next week. But the only way to fulfill that purpose the only way to fulfill what God's called you to do is for you to discover who you really are, your true identity. And so today I want to give you four secrets to discovering your true identity, four secrets. First one is your identity comes from God alone. God created you. He's the only one who can define you. Look at Genesis 1:27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them Male and female, he created them. So if there was ever any doubt, I want you to know God's word declares that God created you in his image and God doesn't make a mistake. Your identity at its core is founded and rooted in Christ alone. And so what's an identity crisis? This is where you lose sight of the creator's design for your life. You lose sight of it. Some of you, maybe you knew what it once was, but you've allowed people to cause you to drift and to fall away from what God spoke to you. Many people I have found have never understood what God created them to do and who he created them to be. And so I, I read a study, over 80% of Americans who are Christians, they have no idea what God's purpose for their life is. And the reason is you can't understand your purpose in first, until first you know who you are. Right. Who am I? Who did God create me to be? Psalm 139, 13 through 14. I love this passage. He says, that the psalmist says, you formed me in my inmost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Mm. All the women said yes and amen. <laughs> Men, you're complex. Even in your nothing box, it confuses the women. Very complex, mysterious. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. See, the truth is God knows you, but you don't know you. And it's time for you to discover the identity that God has created you with. And, and otherwise, if, if we don't realize, God, you created me with this, and the only place I can uncover it is with you, then we're flawed from the start. That your identity comes from God, not from what you do. Let me help you understand this. You could be a doctor, but that doctor is not your identity. You're a Christian who practices medicine. 
I, I told a teacher one day, they said, you know, I, I would pray more for my students, but I'm concerned because I'm a teacher. I said, well, I, I, I appreciate that. But do you realize being a teacher is not your identity. You're a Christian first, and that I'm a Christian who teaches, and sometimes when I understand my identity, it's gonna put friction in the place where God has positioned me. And they said, well, I don't know. What if I lose my job? I said, if you lose your job, God's got a better one for you. Maybe God's called you to the mission field to teach overseas. Maybe God's called you to be a part of a Christian school. I, I don't know what it is, but we cannot allow the world to tell us who we are when we are in Christ Christians first. Even a pastor, look, you say, well, you're a pastor. Well, I got to understand I'm a Christian first. Like my relationship with God comes first. That, that my identity, because what if there's a day when I don't pastor? Remember, God willing, we're going to pass this church on, not anytime soon, but I ain't going to pastor forever. And if that's my identity, I'll be lost the moment transition happens. And I think that's why some people stay in the place they're in too long. They didn't get their identity in Christ. It came in what they were doing. Can't allow what you do to define who you are. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. I love this Solomon the wisest man in the world, he's going to tell us some wisdom and he's going to teach us. Look what he says. He says, my heart took delight in all my work and this was the reward of my labor. So I enjoyed what I did and look at the reward for my labor. He could show the fruit of it. And then he says, yet when I surveyed all that I put my hands to and what they had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was a chasing after the wind. If you allow what you do and the people around you to define you, your self-worth, your value, it's all gonna be in a constant state of flux. It'll be based on your status in life. It'll be based on your job title. It'll be based on your financial status. It'll be based on the friends that you have, how good your family is. And so that's where we see people getting stuck because if you don't know who you really are, then the situation and circumstances of life begin to dictate it. Well, this year I'm doing good, but last year was terrible. This month I'm doing better, but last month was awful. And so there's this up and down of depending on the circumstance and situations that you find yourself in. And look, I, I found myself in that same boat as a young entrepreneur earlier in my life, my early 20s. I received a lot of validation from the success of our businesses. My brother and I owned a real estate investment company, and my wife and I owned a restaurant. And I can tell you when the restaurant and the real estate were doing well, I felt very successful. I was like, woo, I felt really good. <laughs> but then when they weren't doing good, how many know I felt bad? And my emotions were constantly on an up and down cycle. They were in flux based on how sales were at the restaurant and how many homes we were flipping in real estate. But it was never based on me. It was based on what I was experiencing on the external. And I got to tell you, even as a pastor, we've had to be careful. I have to be careful that my value doesn't come in the size of our church, doesn't come in how many people are giving their life to Jesus. My value, my self-esteem is not about how effective our discipleship is or how many people are in small groups. My, my value, my self-esteem is not about the, the, the whole movement of what this church is about. It has to be about me because I'll tell you what, COVID was really tough. And if we're not careful, then you have this, this, this changing of your identity based on the circumstances that are around you and your life as a 
roller coaster, up and down, up and down, up and down. My identity is not defined by my success or lack of, and neither is yours. It's easy to define ourselves by external factors. In fact, they say that men tend to define themselves by the success of their accomplishments and status. That's how you tend to define yourself. That's where you find your identity. Women tend to define yourself by the success of your relationships. But I want you to know that God is the only one who can define you. He's where you find your identity. Second secret is people define you by how they meet you, but God defines you by how he made you. Woo. See, when people meet you, what, what they do is they attach a label to you. Right, because they can just see you at the present time. You're the sum of everything that's happened in your life up until that moment. And so what they get to do is assess you. Are you successful? Yeah, you look successful. Are you a failure? Yeah, you look like a failure. You know, are you poor? Are you educated? Are you addicted? Are you having challenges in your marriage? Are you divorced? Are you a drug addict? Are you an alcoholic? So what they get to do is label you based on the current situation of your life. But I want you to know that God doesn't label you. God defines you by how he made you. God made you, and he will cause who you are to rise up out of the ashes. And it doesn't matter if nobody knows who you are. When you know who you are, that's all that matters. See, God will use circumstances to build character. He'll use circumstances to reveal character, but he never uses circumstances to define you. So he won't allow what's happening on the outside to define who you are on the inside. Now he allowed them to do some work on you. Look at what he says in Ephesians 4.22. He wants you to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in an attitude of your mind. So he wants a new mind, new attitude. Look, when we're born again, you shouldn't live the same life that you've lived in the past. Your life ought to be getting better. There ought to be change. God is moving you from the inside out. And look at what he says. He wants you to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So God is changing us from the inside out. But to do that, he wants you to see what he sees. He made you. He gets to define you. Yeah, I tell a little bit of a story in the book. Um, uh, it's really the, the whole premise of identity. Uh, shortly after I surrendered my, my life to Jesus Christ in 2003, I was at the lowest point of my life. Not only had I lost my business, my marriage was falling apart. And I describe that in chapter five of the book and talk a little bit more about the financial struggles and what we had to go through to see the other side of daylight. Now, I was angry. I was frustrated because my life was spiraling out of control and I thought that salvation would change everything. It's like, God, I gave my life to you. God, I gave you everything. I don't understand. I began to feel hopeless. I was depressed. There was darkness that was seeping inside of me. I started to isolate myself and I began to be confused and there was a fog that began to consume my life and I couldn't see through it. I was actually afraid. I was lost. And I felt abandoned by God. Anybody ever felt abandoned by God? I have. And it's a terrible place to be. And my mom is a counselor, and so she saw this downward spiral. I didn't know what to do. She asked me and my twin brother. She said, I want you guys to go to a life enrichment seminar. And uh, she sponsored us to go. Now, I didn't want to go. But I felt like, look, what else I got to lose? Because where I'm at is not going to work. Come on. You ever been so desperate? You're like, I'll try anything, even though I don't like you right now, and I don't want to go. 
Nobody's been there. I've been there. I went just to get my mom off my back because I didn't really think that what I was going to was going to work. It was a mid-Saturday morning. Uh, we'd already been there Friday night. I did not enjoy it. I did not think it was effective. Saturday hits, mid-morning. They tell us we're going on a treasure hunt. I'm like, the only treasure I want is lunch and home. That's it. So they said, we're going on a treasure hunt. Don't go on a break. I want you guys to go by yourselves in different parts of the room. And so we went over to different parts. I was sitting by myself in the corner. And the facilitator hands us a sheet of paper. And she says, on this piece of paper is a question. Once you answer the question, you can go on break. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. How hard is one question to answer? I'm going to answer this, and then I'm going on break. The question on the paper, when I read it, simply said this, who am I? They say, look, once you read the question, all I want you to do is write the answer to that question. Now, I thought about, that is a stupid question. Who am I? I mean, how stupid is that? Like, right, I mean, I know who I am. My name's Jim Kyles. I come from Groves, Texas, or this is where I'm living at now. I, I know who I am. I, I used to be an entrepreneur. Now I'm broke. I'm depressed. You know, I know who I am. <laughs> and I'm frustrated, and I'm thinking, I don't understand what this means. Who are you? And so I actually called the facilitator over and I said, ma'am, what, what are you, I don't understand this question. She said, it's a simple question. <laughs> no sarcasm, I'm sure. She said, all you have to do is answer the question. I said, it's asking me, who am I? She said, yeah, just write it down. I said, this is stupid. Like, I, I don't understand the question. I'm frustrated, visibly frustrated. If you know me, I have moments where I get visibly frustrated. I don't hide it well. And I'm just like, this is a dumb question. They're just, this is stupid. And so I, I said, ma'am, can you please help me understand? There's got to be something deeper to this. And she's like, just answer the question. Who are you? And I said, well, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a businessman. She said, uh, no, sir, that's not, that's not who you are. Uh, she said, that's what you do. Who are you? I pondered the question in frustration, trying to dig deep to be honest. And uh, I said... I'm a failure, I'm hopeless, and I'm confused. She said, no, that's how you feel. She said, who are you? Honestly, I'd never thought about it up until this moment. And I sat there for what seemed like hours I don't know how long it was. I was enthralled with this question. Really knowing that the answer to this is going to help me get unstuck. I'd allowed what I'd do to define who I was. And this time I came to her a little bit different. I said, hey, I really need help. I don't understand. She said, this is what I want you to do. She said, where does your identity come from? It comes from God. She said, well, why don't you ask him who he has created you to be? So I sat there, prayed a simple prayer, something like, God, help me. I feel lost. I feel confused. I don't know who I am. But I want to know, would you speak to me? I don't know why I'm so emotional. 
And I just asked him, God, help me to discover who you made me to be. And it was almost immediate. She said, when something comes to your mind, just begin to write down unfiltered and just write down everything. Because when it comes, you're going to try to block it. Oh, I'm not that. I'm not. She said, don't do it. Just write everything that comes. Can I get a tissue or something? I want to snot over everybody. I'm like, ah. Just, there you go. Look, I got it right here. Moment ready. Moment ready. Boom, boom, boom. Thank you, Maria. Everybody say, thank you, Maria. And so I did just as she had said, and it was amazing. I began to write. And on that piece of paper, seven sentences came to me. I never marked out a word. I didn't have, for me, I didn't have to reorganize it. It was like the Holy Spirit just downloaded who I was. And the very beginning of it is, I'm a general, and I'm not going to finish the rest. And I'll never forget when I wrote it down, I was in shock. Because remember, I, I'm just open to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I don't feel like a general. I feel like I'm bankrupt. I feel like a failure. I feel hopeless. I feel like I'm not enough. If I was a general, why would all these things happen? How could I lose this? How could I do this? And, and I felt the Holy Spirit just, this peace come over me. And this is what happened. The dialogue was, that's not who I am. And then the Holy Spirit, that's you, Jim. That's not who I am. No, that's you, Jim. I don't feel like it. It's not about what you feel. That's who you are. And this whole conversation with the Holy Spirit, and then what they had us do is you write it out, and you stand in front of people, and I showed my twin brother, and Steve's like, bro, that's you. I'm like, dog, calm down, man. Steve is like my biggest cheerleader. And you got to know that when you're at the lowest point, you never feel like a champion. You never feel like who God's called you to be because the devil has beat you up so bad. He has told you so many lies. And that's why it's so important that when you uncover who you are, you just boldly declare, I don't care about what situation I'm in. I don't care about what people say, what people think. None of that matters because when I know who I am, the situation around me changes. See, some of you are wanting the situation to change so that then you can become who you are. No, when you know who you are, everything around you changes because you know who God's called you to be. And that moment, I uncovered my identity. I had no idea I'd write this book, but for now, since 2003, 2004, almost every day, even on my mirror right now at my home, is my identity statement that I say every single day. And here's what happens, and I talk about it in the book. In that moment when God showed me who I was, my life didn't change. My marriage was still a mess. My businesses were still a mess. We had four homes that were looking to be foreclosed on. Both of our cars were about to be repossessed. That was in the moment whenever I'm waiting tables, working construction and traveling for monster.com, three jobs to do whatever. So nothing changed on the outside, but yet for the very first time, I now had hope. I now had peace. I now had strength. I now had grace. There was something inside of me that said, my situation is going to change because I have changed. And apart from my salvation experience, discovering my identity was the greatest thing that helped me get unstuck. See, I could teach you all the other stuff, but really it's all about if you don't know who you are, every devil in hell will keep you stuck, every relationship, every person. Why? Because they're trying to stop what God wants to do, not because they're evil or malicious, but because the devil has come to steal, kill, and to destroy, and sometimes he uses good people. Man, oh man, don't get me preaching on that. 
Third secret is identity establishes your real value. When you uncover your identity, you see yourself as God sees you. Look at Matthew chapter 16, 15 through 19. This is Jesus and the disciples. He's taking them on a journey, and what he is about to ask them is, who do you say that I am? And then Peter blurts out, we love Peter. He blurts out the right answer, and he's, Jesus responds, because you have defined me, not, not yet, but because you define me as I define myself, now Jesus could define Peter for who he was. Look, he says, then he asked him, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from human beings. Now I say to you that you are Peter. Wait, I thought his name was Simon, son of John. No, now it's Peter. See, when you define Jesus in your life the way he defines himself, he is the one true living God, the Son of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you define him correctly, now you've gotten into an alignment that you can receive how God has created and defined you. So Peter got it right, and Jesus says, because you've got that in alignment, now I'm going to tell you who you are. Stay in alignment, and then look at what he says. Because of this, what? The revelation of who Jesus is and the revelation of who Jesus created you to be. I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. So see, I think we've gotten it half right. We know who Jesus is, but we've never allowed Jesus to define us. And we wonder why we're not pushing back the forces of darkness. It's because we got churches and Christians and people that have no idea who they are. They define themselves by what they do, and we've missed it. It's like, yeah, you go greet, you go do what, but that's not who you are. Who are you? And when you know who you are, there's no devil in hell that can stop you. Fourth secret is revelation is birthed out of relationship. The relationship. Peter was in relationship with Jesus. You can't just go out there and try to discover your identity apart from a relationship from God. That, see, Peter never allowed others to define him. It was the relationship with Jesus. And though he had mistakes, he never allowed those mistakes to define him. I mean, think about this. I love Peter, but could you imagine Peter saying, look, uh, uh, thinking, what's James driving? Where does John live? What kind of a house does he live in? I mean, tell me about Mark's church. How big is it? How many people are he, is he discipling? Come on, how many people has, have they healed and delivered and separate? No, he wasn't judging his life based on other people. His life was based in a relationship with Jesus. I'm not looking to the right. I'm not looking to the left. But I'm going to keep my eyes focused in a relationship with Jesus. And whatever he wants me to do, I'm going to do it. I don't care what it looks like, and I don't care what happens as long as I fulfill his purpose. See, some of us are chasing status and popularity and size of your house and your neighborhood and the money you make and the kind of car you drive and the school that you take your kids to. What we ought to be pursuing is Jesus. And God, thank you for the blessing, but do you have the blessing or does the blessing have you? And I promise you this, I can see by the fruit of your life. Show me your time and show me your checkbook. Ooh, it got quiet. I'm sorry. If you could ever discover who you really are, your real value, you would be unstoppable. You know, my family and I, we love to play, we love to play games. Uh, you know, my kids more so than me. Uh, but they love this game called Monopoly. Anybody ever play Monopoly? 
Yeah, anybody good at Monopoly? You're liars. <laughs> no. Your kids probably beat you all the time like my kids. And you know, one of the things my kids love about Monopoly is the money. They love having all that little fake money. They're like, Dad, I wish it was real. I'm like, I do too. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, so Monopoly money. Anybody ever, this is hundreds. Uh, anybody want this? <laughs> Ain't nobody even, what, this $100. Ain't nobody, anybody, anybody, come on. If it was a real $100 bill, everybody would be like, woo, basta, blessings. Uh-uh. No, it's just, it's, but in the game, I mean, oh, this is worth something. It's nice. It's nice to have a hundred. It's better than being broke. Have you ever played Monopoly and been broke trying to buy a house? You're like, I'm broke. Or you go around and they put taxes on you like, I'm broke. Well, when you're broke, you wish you had some money. Now, the interesting thing is this is Monopoly money and this is, now who wants this real money? You ain't getting it, so just settle down. <laughs> That's going back in this pocket. <laughs> but they both have a hundred on them. Right? What's the difference? Does anybody know? One's fake, one's real. Well, why is it fake? They're both printed on paper. You see, that's what I don't understand. If you ever think about currency, currency is really funny. Once we got off gold and silver and, you know, gems and all the different things that people used to actually use and barter with, we started using paper. But paper is paper. How many know you can just burn this paper up? It ain't, it ain't got, the reason this is so valuable is because of what it's backed up by. Currency was backed up by the gold standard. And what that meant was every dollar that was circulated, there was actually gold sitting in a bank that backed up that dollar that gave this, do, this hundred dollars the value of the hundred dollars. Otherwise, it's just fake. And I'm wondering if some of you are playing in the game of life and your life has been nothing more than fake currency. And you wonder why there's no value to what you're doing. It's because you're not living backed up, not by the gold standard, but by God's standard. Because when you're backed by God's standard, look, you can step on this $100. I mean, no, that still has value. Who would still come get it? Anybody come get it? Sit down. All right, look, how about if I did this? Would you come get this now? Yeah, why? It's not because it's clean, it's not because it's pretty, it's because of what it's backed up by. Look, your life may not be clean, your life may not be perfect. Maybe you got off drugs, maybe you've been broke, maybe you've been busted, maybe you got a divorce, but I want you to know you still have value because you're backed up by God. God loves you, He cares for you, He created you, and you're backed by God's standard. And the devil has lied. The devil has lied. Go ahead and stay standing. The devil's lied to you. Said you're not, you're not worth it. Never going to make it. Nobody loves you. You've allowed the situations of life to devalue who you really are. And I want to do this as we close. I, I, I told you to stand, but I want to give you just four things real quick. Grab message notes when you go out you get them. How do I uncover, how do I uncover my identity? Four things real quick. The first one, you gotta create the right environment. When you leave out of here, go get into the right environment with God, go get a place where you're isolated, you're alone, distraction free. Second thing is you gotta quiet your soul. Don't allow any of your mind and your will and your emotions to get involved and when God begins to speak to you, just quiet your soul. Third thing is posture your heart, go in there, humility, God. I just want to know who you created me to be. 
Then the fourth thing is just answer this simple question. Who am I? And then you just start it off with this. I am. And whatever the Holy Spirit gives you, you just write it down unfiltered, unfiltered, unfiltered. Will you get it all right? I don't know. But I can tell you this. You'll be moving forward in discovering your identity in Christ. I just want to pray over you this morning that this church, that each and every one of you, that you would discover who God's called you to be and live the life that God's called you to live. Father, right now, I'm asking you to move supernaturally in the life of your people. God, do what only you can do. God, I thank you that, Lord, you would speak to their hearts, speak to their minds, that, God, even this week, I'm asking you, would you allow them to break away? Would you allow them to get by themselves and, Holy Spirit, do to them what you did to me, where you help me uncover who you created me to be? That, God, that was the most life-changing moment that I've ever had in my life, apart from salvation. And I'm asking you, would you do that again? Do it in their life that there would be a church rise up that would know who they are in you. Father, we thank you for this. Come on, just talk to God right now. Just tell him right where you are. The Holy Spirit's in this place.